You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Yes, Lord. This is our prayer today, Lord. This is our earnest desire for you. There is none like you, Jesus. No one like you. No one who can be compared to you. And today as we come to the word, as we come to your word, we ask that you speak to us because we serve a speaking God. And we ask that you teach us and you lead us into all truth. We thank you for the privilege of your word. And as we sit at your table, feed us till we want no more. Satisfy every heart today that's in this room and those watching from home or wherever they're watching from, Lord God. You know what we need and we thank you for it now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much, worship team. Thank you. Please put your hands together for the worship team, those who've led us so amazingly well this morning. It is my privilege and my pleasure to be bringing the word of the Lord to us this morning. Um, uh, we have, we're just about to embark, as you know, on our 21 days of prayer and fasting it is the beginning of the year. It's a tradition now here within CLM. And we have learned the potency and the power of prayer and dedicating our time and giving the Lord first fruits of the year. And so we are doing that. And we invite you to join us. If you have not yet gotten involved in 21 days of prayer and fasting, I cannot advertise it enough and encourage you enough to participate. It is an exceptional time of uh, spiritual refreshment and renewal. And so please do, if you haven't yet done so, um, please, I invite you to visit a website uh, as was announced, uh, www.clmchurch.co.uk forward slash 21 days of prayer to get more details of how you can participate practically in this time. But um, I'm beginning uh, this series uh, as we s discuss and, and talk through the next 21 days and try and give us some focus for our time of praying and seeking the Lord. And my uh, text is going to be taken from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11 for verse 28 to 30. Um, and uh, I want to, as we turn to there, we're going to read it together on the screen. It's going to come on the screen. So I want you to, with your best reading voice, um, I don't know what that is, but whatever that is, your best reading voice, I want you to read as loudly as you can the words that come on the screen as we begin um, today's message. Okay. So and, um, after we read, I'm going to pray and go straight into it. So um, is it on the screen yet? Here it is. Fantastic. Let's go. After three, read. One, two, three. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Father, we thank you again. We have prayed and we are now praying again. And we thank you for this word. And we ask that you will now, Holy Spirit, take advantage of this vessel. Use me, speak to me and through me. Bless your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So um, the NIV version um, of this verse uh, just says this. Come to me all who who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. The dictionary defines the word weary as physically or mentally exhausted by hard work, exertion, strain, etc. 
The synonyms for uh, weary is tired, uh, fatigued, exhausted, spent, burnt out, worn out. Now, usually, um, you know, uh, the, uh, when we're feeling a bit tired, a bit exhausted, a bit worn out, the natural uh, um, re response to that is to just get some rest, is to try and get some sleep. Now, the negative effects of a lack of sleep has been well documented. I'm sure we all uh, know s some people who could sleep 12 hours easy. Anyone in this room, don't admit it if you are. In, yeah, there's a few hands that went up um, who can sleep for 12 hours easy. And there are some, uh, if they don't get their 8 to 10 hours of sleep of night, they are in a bad mood for the rest of the day. Again, don't put your hands up if that's you. It is reported that one in three of us suffer from poor sleep. Not getting enough sleep can also have profound consequences on your physical health, according to the um, NHS website. Regular poor sleep puts you at serious risk of medical conditions, serious medical conditions including obesity, coronary heart disease, and diabetes, not to mention that it shortens your life expectancy. So sleep is extraordinarily important um, to us. Now, some of us can we need eight to 10 hours, some of us can do, do it on six um, or less, uh, but you must get consistent times of sleep. However, for some of us, it is not a lack of sleep that is making us feel tired, but a lack of rest. Sleep is not the, 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 it doesn't address restlessness or weariness. And the, the text that we're focusing on and that Jesus highlights to us is not about necessarily just about phys our physical bodies getting enough sleep to recover. Uh, rest is to the soul what sleep does for the body. And the Greek word translated weary in this verse um, means to be so burdened with labor that you're exhausted. But Jesus doesn't say, just come unto me those who are weary, because he says, come unto me those who are weary and burdened. So he addresses not just the physical element here, he's not just talking to us about how we are physically tired from the exertions of life and exertions of working and toil, but he's also saying that there is an additional weariness, additional burden that comes with that, that I want to also address, and that is a burden of the soul. That not only is the physical um, condition of tiredness something that I can want to address in your life, but I also want to address the exertion that's going on in your mind. Some of us are not just physically tired, but we are exhausted from all the thinking we're doing. I know I am. Uh, this the last couple of years, I'm sure that we can all identify how exhausting it has been just navigating this time of COVID and the impact that it has had upon our lives personally and also those around us. We've heard today about, you know, people uh, who've passed away. I know personally I'm going through that. As you know, my father uh, passed away recently. Uh, I heard another friend of mine's mother passed away today. It just seems like a tsunami of things that are happening. And there's only so much the mind can handle before you start getting exhausted and weary. Is there anybody can bear witness to that today? So Jesus wants to come, says to us, come to me all who are weary and burdened. The Greek word for burden there describes a shipping freight. Jesus is saying that you're carrying cargo loaded with all kinds of stuff. 
He is aware of it. He's conscious of it. That it's not just about the physical um, um, weight of expectations and obligations and responsibilities and duties that we carry, but also the cargo that holds compulsions and addictions, fears and worries, isolations and loneliness, pain and loss. The weight, and there's, there's lots of it, too much for anyone to really bear. And Jesus is saying to you and to me, come to me. You're not supposed to be carrying all of that stuff. You don't really go around seeing sheep with, with um, burden on them. It's not, it's not, they're not designed to carry stuff. And we are called by the word of the Lord. We're the sheep of his pasture. We're not designed to carry the kind of weight that we're carrying. So he invites us to come to him, those of us who are carrying weight. Now, it has been my experience that in church we often don't speak about being weary and um and if we do it is often in the context of burnout as if somehow to admit that we are tired and worn out by the fight is a sin and constitutes a lack of faith one of the biggest problems we face in my opinion is the de denial of our weariness we don't want to admit that we're tired that we're weary somehow it somehow constitutes that we're not faithful if we say look i'm i'm feeling a bit exhausted I'm feeling a bit weary of the fight, actually. But the, the Bible is clear and evidence, and David often talks about his fight with himself and with life and writes it down in many times and many instances in the Scripture to, to show us and to let us know that it's okay to admit when you feel tired. It's not a sin to be weary. It's not a sin to acknowledge that. In fact, the invitation is to come unto me, those who are weary and burdened. So you've got to first acknowledge your burden and your weariness in order to accept this invitation. We just want to carry on as if all is well. But in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, Verse 38 to 42, there's a story of two sisters, Mary and Martha, and this family were friends of Jesus, and he had, he had come for a visit on this particular occasion, and the younger sister, Mary, uh, spent time with Jesus while the, uh, her sister, Martha, was in the kitchen preparing food for them to eat. Martha got very upset with her sister and complained to Jesus that he should tell her to tell her sister to come into the kitchen and help with the preparations but Jesus said and that, that was a paraphrase of the story but Jesus said this in Luke 10 41 to 42 Martha Martha the Lord answered you are worried and upset about many things but few things are needed or indeed only one Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her now many of us are like Martha we don't end up at Jesus's feet because we find it easier to work for Jesus than to be with Jesus. It's easier to do to serve in church or to to do ministry bits and to to um, to be active on the worship team or in in and uh, serving on some t other teams within than to just still ourselves and be with Him. But working for Jesus is not the same as being with Jesus. There's a stern warning that the Lord gives to those who prefer um, activity over intimacy. And he says to us and he encourages us, he said, those are, there'll be a day when they're coming before him and say, Lord, we've done all of these things in your name. And he says, well, I don't know who you are. Because for the Lord, intimacy trumps activity. 
don't be so busy working for him that you don't spend any time being with him. And I'm sure those of us in relationships and in marriages understand this dimension that, you know, it, it isn't the, um, as if you're a, a hardworking husband or wife and you're out there earning and you're doing all your bit to try and generate as much income for your family and you spend so much time giving to your job, actually what your family desperately needs more of is you. And while we're, you're busy working, doing all that you can for your family to provide for them, what they really want is your presence. So we know in life as it is in the spiritual context that actually being present in the space, being available, being intimately acquainted is more important than actively being out generating income. God likewise says to us, I, I understand that you want to work for me I, and I appreciate you serving the kingdom purposes, but actually the most important thing that I want from you is you. Amen? Amen. All right. So we find it easier, but instead of relying on his, uh, 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 to, to, to work for Jesus than to be with Jesus, instead of relying on his grace, we choose self-sufficiency. However, pretending we are strong enough when we are not, is not evidence of strong faith or even a good work ethic, but rather a lack of trust in God who beckons us to come to him in times of weaknesses so that we might receive his grace in times of need. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 in the New King James Version says, Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The word rest there in the Greek, it should be on the screen, means to cease, to give rest, to quiet, to recreate, to refresh. Jesus promises rest for our souls, and the soul is the seat of our feelings, desires, affections, etc. It means, this word in the Greek means to relax. That doesn't, it's not the same as stopping. This is not the idea of, uh, it, it is the, it's not the idea of ceasing from activity. It's more so about when you get to a place where you can rest in the Lord, the, there, it doesn't seem like working at all. Because you're not drawing from your own strength or resources to do the thing. You're now drawing from the power of the Holy Spirit. And now you can rest in the rhythm of the Lord and you can do what you're doing and not be exhausted by the activity. If this makes any sense to anyone. So this is not about saying, okay, I'm going to stop now. I'm going to take out time. I want to go on a um, sabbatical for six months because I'm feeling exhausted. It's about recognizing that actually maybe you're feeling exhausted because you're doing what you're doing in your own strength. And you're not allowing the Lord's grace and his strength to empower you so that it's effortless work, if that makes sense to everyone. So, the prophet Isaiah tells us there is a solution to weariness, okay? And the, and the ones who will not be weary are the ones who wait on the Lord. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Hebrew word for weary there is a, a word called yaga, and it describes working against huge, huge obstacles that both, that, um, that both body and soul are used up. Now, Isaiah, um, this uh, quote from Isaiah, I'm going to give you a, a quote from a, uh, a Jewish academic a guy called Skip Moen. Um, as, he, as, he, as he comments on this verse in Isaiah 40, 31, he says, Yeshua tells us exactly what waiting on the Lord means. Come to me. 
The answer to weariness is not a vacation. It is not hiring more employees. It is not cutting back. Those are all external action fixes for an internal spiritual disease. The answer to weariness is heart conversation with the master, end quote. It's such a powerful truth. Now, King David, Israel's sweetest, sweet psalmist and one of the greatest and most successful leaders in their history, um, I, I, I believe one of the king's, King David's most endearing qualities was his vulnerability and his transparency before God. David wasn't a perfect man and made lots of mistakes, but he was greatly loved by God because David learned how to wait on the Lord in t for times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Psalms 40 verses 1 to 3 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on the rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. David wrote that and he learned the power of waiting on the Lord. He understood that it's, this is the key to weariness. When you're feeling exhausted, it is about spending time in the presence of God. That's how you renew your strength, like an eagle. It's, how, it's waiting on the Lord. And now this word um, translated waited and, and also the word, in fact, patiently, David, when he said waited patiently from the Hebrew word kava, which means a twisting or a binding. That's what the word is often translated hope in our, in our English versions. Um, it, it means the word means a twisting, a binding, like when you used to um, the ancient um, ways of making rope. They took fine strands of string and they bound it all together. And this easy, it's one by one, those strings are easily pull apart. But once you start binding those strings together, they become stronger and it becomes a rope and you can't pull a rope apart. That's what the word waiting means. It means actually to bind yourself so entwined with God that you can't be broken because of the strength that you draw from him. That's what, the, the Lord, that's what it is requiring, God is requiring of us. If he said, if you want to get strength, if you want to re feel refreshed, if you want to learn how to overcome the sense of weariness and tiredness, you've got to bind yourself with me. You've got to tie yourself over with me. That in doing so, that's how your strength, you become strengthened. Because in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. By yourself and by myself, we're easily pull apart. But once we decide to tie ourselves with Jesus, then we are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That makes sense? So, let us um, accept this invitation from the Lord to come to him. Now, notice, this is a personal invitation from the creator to you. He says, come to me. Okay? Now, notice also that the invitation is not to come to church. It is not to come to a conference. It is not to come, an invitation to come to an assignment. It's an, a personal invitation from him to you to come into personal relationship with him. He wants you to come to him. Not to something, but to the person, the relationship, to Jesus himself. Don't mistake doing something for Jesus, as we said earlier, for being with him. This is an encouragement. 
Now, my three points before I come down so for us to take away from the message today. We, this is how we come to him. This is how we draw near to God. We draw near to God principally, number one, through prayer. Hebrews 4 from verse 14 to 16 says these words, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. The, we are encouraged to come into the throne of grace boldly, to come before the Lord and to find intimacy in our times of prayer. God, the God that we're looking for is a prayer away. It's a prayer away. If you want to presence yourself or get into the presence of God, all you got to do is open up your mouth and call his name. And immediately you're transported into the presence of the Lord. His word says, as many as call upon my name, they shall be saved. If you say Jesus, Jesus presents himself with you. Have you ever noticed this? And this is, I'm going off piece a little bit. Have you ever, close your eyes for me, everyone. Just close your eyes for a second. Those of you at home as well, close your eyes. Just close your eyes. No sneak, no peeking now. Just close, everyone. And try and clear your mind of any other thought right now. Just close your mind eyes and clear your mind. Nelson Mandela. Open your eyes. Uh, when I said the name Nelson Mandela, did you see him? It's interesting, isn't it? I, didn't, he, he, I just called his name and yet your mind caught the picture of him. And he was present in your mind the moment I said his name. When you say Jesus, Oh, come on. When you say Jesus, just like when Nelson appeared in your mind, Jesus appears in your life. All you got to do is call his name and the Lord presents himself right where you are. There's no one else like him. And he wants to be right there with you through all that you're going through in your life. Philippians 4, 6-7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer is one of the fastest ways to access the presence of God and the fastest ways also for you to unload your burden. If you're weighted down with circumstances and situations, you're going through difficulties in your life, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. He's the burden removing God. He's the yoke destroying God. So all you got to do is say Jesus and begin to confess and make your petitions make known to him and he will then give you a switch. He'll, he'll trade your burden for peace. That's a good deal, right? So if, if you want to carry your burden around, you can do that. Or you can switch it and say, Lord, take my burden. And he'll say, I'll trade you for some peace. How many people need some peace in their lives? Only a few. How many people need some peace? You know you, know you need it. Trade up your stuff for some peace. The next way that we can draw near to God is through worship. 
Psalms 100 verse 4 to 5, very familiar passages of scripture. This is what it says. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. In this psalm, David is alluding to the tabernacle um, it, it, called the Mishkan. And uh, in Hebrew, it's, it, the word means a set apart place. Yeah, in, intended for rest and intimacy. That's what the tabernacle is for. It's a set-apart place for intimacy and rest. And, and so we're seeking that today. We're seeking times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And the Lord says that you do that. And one of the ways that we do that is through worship. Now, the, the, when we, in English, uh, we have the word go in English, uh, that word means to move from a position nearby to a position far away. Well, while the verb come, means to move from a, a far position to a position near. Yeah, so an example of that would be uh, I, uh, is if I, I will go to the shops and then I will come home. Yeah, the context of this phrase implies that I am taking the, uh, making a statement from home and about to leave home for the shops and then I will turn. Okay, so that's the English definition. But the word enter here in this psalm, enter his gates, is the, is the Hebrew word bow. And the Hebrew word bow does not mean come or go in a sense of direction. This word means to enter a void in order to fill it in the sense of purpose. When it says enter his gates, God is inviting you to enter to a place so that you can find fulfillment and purpose. When you enter the, the presence of God through praise and through worship, you are entering into a, a, a dimension where you find fulfillment of who you were meant to be. That's the joy of entering into his presence is that I become like the one I'm worshiping. Oh my gosh, let me say that again. So, when we enter the presence of God, um, we enter the presence of God and we are transformed by the one that we are looking at because you become like the one you worship. So when you enter into the presence of God, you come to a place where you begin, begin to find that sense of fulfillment and purpose because you begin to look exactly like the image you were designed to look like. You were made in his image and in his... So this is how you become more like him when you worship him and you draw near to him, you enter into his presence with praise and worship, you become fulfilled in, in that you turn into the one you're worshiping. Does that make sense? So as I fix my mind on Jesus, as I cast myself in praise and worship on the Lord, I am transfixed and transformed equally into the very presence that I'm worshiping. You always become like what you worship. Worship is another way for us to draw near. So the, 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 the ultimate sacrifice that God requires of us is a set-apart life. Romans 12 tells us that, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper worship. God requires you and I to enter into his presence and to bring a sacrifice. This is what David tells us, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with his praise. Amen. But the ultimate sacrifice is yourself. Romans 12 tells you that. 
I offer offer your body as a living sacrifice. So the offering and the offerer is the same. I bring myself to God. The greatest gift that I have, the greatest sacrifice I have is a life totally surrendered to God. Say, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Bring yourself to God and you're bringing the best worship you can offer him, the best sacrifice that you can bring. I'm going to ask the band to come up now. The final point I want to draw from this text in Matthew 11 is that we draw near to God through his word. Through his word. Matthew 11:29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the New King James Version of Matthew 11:29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, while these uh, words, with these words, Jesus, pardon me, is pointing us, is Jew, pointing the Jewish audience that he's speaking to, as you say, to the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 6, 16 says these words. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look, arts for the ancient paths, arts where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. As, uh, Jeremiah is speaking to the Israelites here and says that you've erred from the way because you have not walked in the way. You've not walked in the way. Yeah, but if you walk in the way, you will find rest for your souls. Now, Jesus doesn't say that in his text, that he doesn't, um, Jeremiah doesn't say yoke, but every um, Jewish follower, Jewish um, person that he was speaking to would understand that in the, in the, the context of, what, of the day, the yoke of a rabbi is the teachings of a rabbi. So when Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon me, he's talking about Torah, take my teachings, the way that I live out my life. And he says, take my yoke upon me and learn from me yeah, and then you will find rest for your souls. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you begin to do what I do, if you begin to follow my teachings and obey my word, you will find rest as a result. Take my yoke. Learn from me. Take my teachings. Listen to my, what I'm saying to you and follow them. And as a result of following them, you will find rest for your souls. How many people need rest for their souls today? We find rest through prayer, through intimacy. We find rest through worship. We find rest through listening to the Word of God and obeying the Word of God. These are the mechanisms that the Lord has provided for us to be able to find rest for our souls. Let me finish by quoting again the opening passage. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the enforced rhythms of grace. This invitation is not exclusively to the church believers. It is an invitation to all. The invitation has your name on the front, and the inscription inside just has one word. Come. Come. So today I'm going to ask you to stand as we close this message. The invitation is still open this morning. 
for those of you in the room, those of you who are watching from wherever you're watching from, we're about to enter into 21 days of prayer and fasting. The invitation is open. Come. Simple, one word. One word. You've got to accept it. The invitation, it can't be forced on you. You have to decide that you're going to receive it. So, Lord, I'm coming. So today, whether you know Jesus or not, maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the invitation is for you to come. If you need rest for your souls, come. Those of you out there who today who may be struggling and going through some challenges in your life, the invitation is to you also. The invitation says, come. It's got your name on it. It's your personal invite from the Lord to come to Him. So let's come this morning as the band leads us.